the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. It's no wonder, given the history of the city, that it will rise from the ashes to once again become the platform for false religion in the end times. This is why I've shared all this with you. It was the birthplace of false religion. It will also be the death place of false religion. But Babylon will rise again from the ashes. I'm not telling you this. The Bible is telling you this. Right now, it's kind of a hard thing to imagine, but it will happen. As Pastor Gary continues his teaching series through the book of Revelation, he'll be explaining how Babylon will be revived as the focal point of false religion in the end times. Babylon was known as the birthplace of all false religions, and it's going to be the location where God brings a final end to false religions for good. Some people debate on whether Babylon is going to be the literal Babylon from the past, Regardless of your view, God will bring an end to the wickedness of Babylon altogether. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 17 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. When it says there in the passage in verse 9 that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, the word before in Hebrew is panim. Panim means face. And so it literally translates, he was in the face of God. He got in God's face. He was in opposition to God. So not a good guy. Nimrod, not a good guy. And one of the cities that he built among several, as he started to kind of take over the earth and lead these, you know, um, building projects in different places, there primarily in what is today modern Iraq, uh, is Babel. He built that as one of the capital cities. Now, Babel is probably better known to us in chapter 11 of Genesis. If you'll jump over to chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. There's an incident that happens in the Tower of Babel. And so in in Genesis chapter 11, let me read the first nine verses. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had a brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Note that. Let us make a name for ourselves. Notice this. They don't want to make a name for God. They want to make a name for themselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one 
and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language. By the way, the pronoun us, it's a, it's a reference to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God revealed in three persons. He says, come, let us go down, and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused, that's what it means, confusion, confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. So, your attention, the, the, the people at this particular time had one language, it had not yet been diverse, they had not been yet scattered. And in their unity, they used their unity in opposition to God. They decided, let's collectively get together. We're going to decide what's best. We're going to decide what we want to worship, who we want to worship, and nobody can tell us otherwise. And they built this tower, which was actually a ziggurat. Now, a ziggurat was basically this pyramid-shaped structure that had a staircase usually that wound to the top, and it would have a deck at the top. It would have an overlook at the top. Again, the Greek historian Herodotus recorded seeing one that measured 700 feet high. The Washington Monument is only 555 feet high. So imagine something immense reaching to the heavens. Why did they want to reach to the heavens? Because they wanted to worship the starry host. They wanted to worship the sun and the moon and the stars, not God. They wanted to make a name for themselves, and they started worshiping astrology. You can trace all occult worship and astrological worship to Babel or Babylon. This is where it started. The occult started in Babel, in Babylon. And so God then decides, I'm going to confuse the language. I'm going to scatter them, lest they get together here. And they decide that they're going to have a unified rebellion against me. And so the language then began to, to be diversified there in Babel, Babylon. And, and then the people were scattered and they began to live together and group together based on the languages that they could understand. But the beginning of astrology and occult practices happened here. The worship of the constellation, the zodiac all started here. It's the oldest record of astrology that comes from this region. And the Bible is basically a story in some ways. I mean, obviously, the central story of the Bible is Jesus and the gospel and dying for our sins on the cross. But in in some ways, when you think about the two cities that I I mentioned are, are named more than any other cities in the Bible, it's Jerusalem first and then Babylon. This is a book about the tale of two cities, where you have Jerusalem as the city of peace and you have Babylon as the city of confusion. And, and that's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be. And thus, now, when you go back to the book of Revelation, you can understand a little bit about the historical background of Babel because the same kind of thing is going to take root again in Babylon that happened uh, here um, in ancient times. Now, in addition to, because this plays into chapter 17 of Revelation, in addition to the people of Babel or Babylon worshiping the sun, the moon, the stars, the zodiac, and all of this, there was an, an ancient legend that also emerged in Babel. And the ancient legend went something like this, that Nimrod, the guy who built Babel, settled Babel, married a woman whose name was Sumeramis. And Sumeramis uh, in the Bible is uh, noted as the uh, queen of heaven, um, in the book of uh, Jeremiah, ten times in the book of Jeremiah, he mentions the queen of heaven. It is a reference to Sumeramis, the wife of Nimrod. 
And they had a son, and they had a son named Tammuz. Tammuz is mentioned once in the Bible in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 14. Now, the legend part is that Tammuz was conceived in a miraculous way. He wasn't. And another legend was that Tammuz was gored by a, um, a boar and, and rose from the dead. Those things became um, these mythological legends. But Nimrod, uh, Mary's Sumeramus, they have a son named Tammuz. And that legend took root. And in Babel, they started worshiping the mother-son combination of Sumeramus and Tammuz. And that legend carried on through various civilizations. The Assyrians had their version. They worshiped Ishtar and Tammuz. The Canaanites worshiped Ashtoreth and Baal. The Egyptians worshiped Isis and Horus. The Greeks worshiped Aphrodites and Eros. The Romans worshipped Venus and Cupid. These are all mother-son combinations that started in Babel, in Babylon. And you know what's interesting? Tammuz, the name of this uh, son born to Nimrod and Sumeramus, Iraq named, back in the early 80s, Iraq named its nuclear reactor Tammuz. And in 1981, there was a secret military operation that was launched by the Israelis, under the command of then Prime Minister Menachem Begin, who uh, dispatched F-15s and F-16s over to Iraq. They flew at low altitudes across Jordanian airspace and across Syrian airspace and into Iraq, and they took out Iraq's nuclear reactor. They killed Tammuz. And it was like, uh, and, and they, they approached undetected because they flew at such low altitude that they, that they went in undetected and uh, took out Tammuz, Iraq's nuclear reactor, June the 7th, 1981. So it's no wonder, given the history of this city, that it will rise from the ashes to once again become the platform for false religion in the end times. This is why I've shared all this with you. It was the birthplace of false religion. It will also be the death place of false religion. But Babylon will rise again from the ashes. I'm not telling you this. The Bible is telling you this. Right now, it's kind of a hard thing to imagine, but it will happen. Bear in mind, when the church is raptured, and again, if you've been here through our study of Revelation, I believe that the church is raptured before the tribulation begins. Good people can debate that. But when the church is raptured, there's going to be the absence of the Christian presence, right? Now, people can still get saved, but the number of people getting saved is going to be minuscule compared to the number of Christians presently on the earth who will be taken, raptured, before the tribulation. So there will no longer be the presence of Christianity, at least not in strong numbers, during the tribulation period. That's going to be absent now. What you're going to have left is a vacuum. What fills that vacuum? Well, it's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be an amalgam of other world religions right now, false world religions that kind of get together under what is something we should all be aware of today. It sounds very much like we're not being a team player when I say this, but there is this ecumenical movement that you need to be aware of. Not everybody who says they are of the church are of the church. Not everybody who says they are of Christ are of Christ. 
And there's this ecumenical movement like, well, don't we all just worship the same God and don't all paths lead to God? No, no, we don't. We don't all worship the same God. And there's only one path to get to God, and it's Jesus. So when Christians are taken and there's this vacuum created without the presence of the, of the real church, you're going to have just left a bunch of world religions that either will combine and form under the umbrella of an ecumenical movement. We're now just one body of believers and, and whatever that looks like, and that becomes the one world religion. Or in the absence of Christianity, what is the dominant world religion right now? Islam. Christianity barely outnumbers uh, Islam. So when Christianity is taken, the dominant world religion will be Islam. I'm not necessarily saying that Islam becomes that one world religion. I don't, I don't know what, that, what it will actually be, but I will tell you this much. It will be a false world religion that will be led by the false prophet and will ultimately point people to worship not the true and living God, but the Antichrist. So let me take you through some of these verses and, and here in chapter 17. I've highlighted some of them just to make it easier on the screens for us. In verse 1, it talks about this woman. Again, she represents this false world religion. She sits on many waters. Well, we know that means global influence because the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And when you look at verse 15 in the same chapter, it says, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So it can't get any more clear than that. So when she sits on many waters, it's figurative language. And verse 15 tells us that the figurative language was representing peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. She sits on the sea of humanity, in other words. She, this world religion, this false world religion, has global influence. And then in verse 2, it talks about how the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So that tells us it's a false religion. It's clearly a false religion. And it's spiritual adultery or it's spiritual fornication. Uh, have your allegiance and your love and your loyalty to something or someone else other than, than God. In verse 3, in verse 3, it says she is sitting on a scarlet beast. That means that she rode to prominence with the Antichrist because he is the beast. And in verse 4, it says she is arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls. And so all of this symbolism tells us that, that this world religion will be associated with wealth and royalty. Now, some people have suggested, and there's books written about this and opinions, that when you, know, when you hear about a wealthy uh, world religion, um, uh, some people say, well, you know, could it be that the Roman Catholic Church, I've heard many people believe, you know, maybe the Pope is the Antichrist and the Roman Catholic Church um, is this false religion. You know, there's, there's many different opinions and debates about it. I personally think it's bigger than the Roman Catholic Church. I, that's just me, but you know, there are different people who can hold to that opinion. By the way, there are, despite the fact that there are different um, uh, parts of the Roman Catholic Church that are obviously unbiblical, there are some people in the Roman Catholic Church who love Jesus. And when I think about the 19, in the 1970s, the charismatic movement that swept through the Roman Catholic Church, there, there are some brothers and sisters there. I, I'm not one to disparage the, all of the Roman Catholic Church. There's a, there, there, uh, there are some saved and unsaved people who are Methodist. There are some saved and unsaved people who are Baptist. There are some saved and unsaved people who are Lutheran. So, you know, God does His redeeming work in the hearts and lives of people. And um, I, I think that what you see here in Revelation 17 is much bigger than, than what we presently see, but people can debate that. 
verse 6 tells us that she was drunk with the blood of the saints. So that means that this word religion is promoted through violence against believers. So now that makes others say, well, then it it might be Islam and the advancing of of Islam by the sword. So we don't really know what it is. Um, I don't plan to be here to see it. So, um, you know, if, if, if you want to hang around to figure it out, uh, God bless you, but I don't plan to be here. All right, let's keep reading. Verse, verse 7. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Are you following this? I'll come, I'll circle back. Don't worry. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. That's the Antichrist. These will make war with the Lamb, that's Jesus, and the Lamb will overcome them. Amen. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called chosen and faithful. And then He said to me, the waters which you saw... Where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, some translations say, and the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast, to the Antichrist, until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. That's Babylon. So in verses 9 and 10, it tells us here that she sits on seven mountains, which are seven kings or kingdoms, meaning it's associated with the political system. Because it it tells us that there in in verse 9, I'll just read it again. It says, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Now, this is, a, this is an important verse, though. The next verse in verse 10 says, There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. So I'm going to break that verse down for us. Here is verse 10. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, past tense. One is, present tense. And the other has not yet come, future tense. Now, this is... The tenses are based on where John is at this particular time. This is first century when he's writing these things under the inspiration of the Spirit. So first, let's talk about what are the five that have fallen. What he's talking about are five world-dominating empires. Historically speaking, these are the five world-dominating empires that have come and gone from the vantage point of where John is here. Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia, the Medo-Persian Empire, and and the Greek Empire. Those five empires have come and gone, even from where John is. And then when he says one is, 
What was the world empire at the time that John is writing this? The Roman Empire. So one is, is Rome. But then he says, and the other has not yet come. Now, when you look um, further, and it talks about how this other one, when he comes, he must continue a short time. And it says in verse 11, the beast, that is the Antichrist, that was and is not, is himself also the eighth and is of the seven, and is going to perdition. So, of the seven, five have come, one is, that's the sixth. There's this seventh world-dominating empire that is going to come. And when it tells us there in verse 11 that the Antichrist was of the seventh, and he becomes an eighth, what it means is, that there's this confederation of nations that will form the seventh one, not yet has occurred, this is future. The Antichrist will be a part of that, and he will come out of that to be himself a world dictator. And so to summarize, the, the other has not yet come. It represents a ten nation confederation that includes the Antichrist, It only rules for a short time, that's what the passage says, until they give Antichrist full control. Because if you notice in verse 12, it says the ten horns. So that's the representation of a horn as authority. That's the representation of the ten-nation confederation, which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour, meaning for a very short time, as kings with the beast. So that explains the bullet point that I have there on the screen for us. Because what it's telling us is, since the Roman Empire, there's not been another world-dominating empire. I mean, you know, Hitler tried it. It failed. There's been other people who have attempted it. It has failed. But there will come a day when, and I can't explain it. I can't, you know, figure it out. What what geographical areas of the globe will be divided into ten regions, but that's what's going to happen. The globe is going to be divided into 10 regions. You know, we look at like the European Union and we see how, well, you know, and then there's Brexit, so there are people coming and going. But when you look at how there are geographical areas where countries can come together under common currency or common law or whatever that might be, it's not far-fetched for us to think that there can be 10 geographical regions around the globe, each with their own president, king, ruler, whatever the case might be, Because that's the way the world is going to be divided. It is coming. It is going to happen. The Bible says so. And among those ten rulers, one is the Antichrist of whatever particular region. And it tells us here in the passage that the ten don't rule for very long before either the Antichrist persuades them or Satan inspires them, whatever the case might be. They turn over their power to the Antichrist. And they say, you go ahead and you just rule the whole globe. And that will take us into chapter 18, where we talk about one world government with the Antichrist ruling and reigning there. But what it tells us at the end here of chapter 17, just to bring this to to a close tonight, in verses 16 and 17, is that the beast and ten horns will hate the harlot. Okay, they're going to they're gonna hate this world religion that has risen up, even though they've allowed it. They're going to hate it. They're going to bring her to ruin, and they're going to give their kingdom to the beast, meaning they're going to overthrow this world religion, and they're going to hand world power over to the Antichrist so that he will rule the world, and he will be worshipped by the world. This is what is to come. 
So if that freaks you out, you better get right with Jesus. That's all I got to say with you right now. That's a fear tactic. I don't care what it takes. You need to get right with Jesus. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more. Right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, you're not alone. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Hope is an open ocean, jump in and you'll find the cornerstones. Your connection run towards your new. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.